Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 28th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Brandon Marcello, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com to help me break down what was a really busy Tuesday in the college football world, beginning with the news we teased yesterday on the podcast and that we all sort of saw coming. And that's that Graham Mertz will be out. For the next few weeks, a Wisconsin quarterback confirmed, tested positive uh, for COVID-19. News was uh, confirmed by Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com. Brandon, you wrote a column talking about the discrepancies between the Big Ten and how long its players must isolate compared to the rest of the, the Power Five leagues. Additionally, the Big Ten coaches don't have to isolate nearly as long. What do you make of this 21-day sabbatical, as you put it, and how crippling that's going to be to Wisconsin? Yeah, and it's not just to Wisconsin, it's for the, for the entire Big Ten because he's just really the first star player that we're seeing affected by this. And there's going to be more uh, as we play more games and go through the season. Um, to me, what's interesting, this 21-day kind of like sabbatical, so to speak, from the football field, you know, 14 days you have to stay away from any type of workouts. Then you have then after those 14 days, you have to go through a battery of tests to look at any lingering effects from the virus if you're testing negative at that point. And that includes, you know, heart inflammation, the things that we've really c- come to discover in the medical field, I guess, um, over these last few months have been affecting uh, uh, people of all ages and obviously could affect your blood flow and the strength of your heart muscle, and that's huge for athletes. So that that's something that they have to clear. And then after that, it gets murky. There's a seven-day period where they can work out, but the way it's written in the Big Ten protocols is that they they can do cardio workout. I, I everything I've seen so far, I don't see anything about them being able to return to practice and then being eligible to return to the field say seven days later or whatever. And there's some people out there thinking, hey, it's possible he might only miss two games and come back for the third game against Michigan because that'll be on day 21 or whatever. But I don't see how he could do that without practicing. But all of this leads me to believe this in this weird time. I think Wisconsin and other Big Ten programs are going to find a way around that in those final seven days. And they're going to be able to say, hey, listen, our kids tested negative for the virus two straight times or three straight times. And we're, he's he's got no heart problems or anything we see right now. Let him practice. And then they'll let him practice. And then he'll be able to play against Michigan in that third game, so to speak. It's going to be interesting. That's what's going to be very interesting to watch to me is, you know, the Big Ten staying with its really strong protocols, but relaxing it a little bit while staying in that 21 day, you know, uh, uh, time frame, so to speak. I think if we learn, if we've learned anything 
during this football season, it's that you're right. It will happen again. It's, it's crazy to think that it, it could only be Graham Mertz. Every team's going to be impacted by this. We've seen that across college football. And then we've also learned again, that loopholes can be found. And oh, Nick yeah. Saban, of course, you know, tests out, gets his three straight negative tests. And thanks to a loophole a week before by, I believe a Texas A&M soccer player right. testing out like Nick Saban's on the sidelines. You hit it right on the head though, Brandon, like that, the, the, the 72 hours of intrigue leading up to that Michigan game, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting to see what happens. I would imagine that you're going to find a way to, 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 to make sure that that game is played with Graham Mertz on the field and not fourth string quarterback, Danny Vanden boom. And that's probably <laughs> a loophole to be found or, you know, really fine print as to saying, Hey, the earliest they can return is the 20, 21st day and, and say Wisconsin can be like, well, you know, the game's on a Saturday. He does it positive on a Saturday. Like he's, he's going to go play. So we'll see. I mean, Nebraska, it's probably going to be tough this week. And then they play Purdue. So if, if you're Nebraska or Purdue, all of a sudden you have a really good opportunity because Wisconsin's down to its fourth string quarterback. Yeah. Purdue, you know, lo- looking good, you know, beat Iowa without, by the way, uh, someone else with COVID-19 coach Brom. Uh, his brother ended up taking over head coaching duties against Iowa and they beat Iowa at home. Um, and um, that Purdue team could be dangerous uh, for Wisconsin. But I think to me, what's so interesting about Wisconsin, we're, we're like really kind of falling in love with, you know, what Graham Mertz has done. And he was fantastic, but he didn't throw a lot downfield through lots of the receivers and tight ends. So a lot of passes out of the backfield. And Wisconsin still doesn't have it doesn't have like an elite running back that we're used to seeing in in previous seasons, and so in a way they need Graham Mertz more than they might need say their backup running back or whatever you might say because right now it seems that the identity of Wisconsin is changing a little bit. Sure, they're able to get like maybe uh, uh, similar output out of the running game, but they're doing so with two or three running backs. They're not leaning on one guy. So uh, keep an eye on that as they switch to a different quarterback here. If they're not as you know successful as Graham Mertz was in that game, even throwing the short passes and passes out of the backfield, that's going to put a lot of stress on those running backs to, to really put something together. And, and in my opinion, that Wisconsin – Offense has always worked best when there's one guy that really stands out from the crowd, and they, and they don't quite have that yet uh, for the Badgers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could place, you could piece together a committee with any running back in the country. Like you could throw, you know, Najee and Etienne, and they still might not be collectively as good as right. Jonathan Taylor was. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate for Wisconsin. They're they're fi- we were finally excited about you know this former four star quarterback and. And how he was going to cover up for the holes that they they might have at receiver and running back with Taylor gone, six thousand yard rusher. And now, now they could really use a guy like that because any other year, you're on your four string quarterback. Say great, no problem. Danny Vandenboom, just hand off to JT twenty five times, and you know we'll get in the wildcat and we'll we'll get three tight ends on the field and we'll just we'll just hammer you. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. Hey, speaking of star running backs, Brandon Kylan Hill, Mississippi yeah. State, yeah. AL.com is reporting that he is leaving school early, like right now. Like he's he's opting out. He's going to start preparing for the NFL draft, which follows a weird few weeks for him. He was suspended uh, for Mississippi State's last game 
against Texas A&M. He's hardly done anything on the ground this year. Had had a great game as a running back through the air in that win against LSU, but otherwise has has been a disappointment for Mike Leach. Yeah, he only has 15 carries this season in three games. As you say, he missed a Texas A&M game for being suspended, which they wouldn't go into detail, uh, which was interesting. But, um, you know, he's just been pretty much a passing threat in that air raid offense, which we kind of expected. But not just that, but Kylan Hills, their second leading receiver, um, and actually is tied for the most catches on the team with 23 for 237 yards, one touchdown. Of course, that offense at Mississippi State has been just dreadful since that season opener against LSU, and they scored 44 points. But, you know, it's um, it's kind of a sad ending to his career. I mean, the kid, such a great running back. It's so fun to watch over the last several years. And, of course, we all know what he did off the field. I mean, there was momentum building anyway, but he really put the issue on the map of, hey, let's take down the – state flag in, in Mississippi and develop a new flag. And it it brought together Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, all these athletic administrators saying, hey, we're not going to play football or host NCAA events at our campuses and make p- the state money if this flag is flying over our state. And Kylan Hill sparked that conversation really on social media and, of course, in, in the real world. And, um, you know, uh, you thought he would be the, you know, one of the big stories in football this year, uh, not just because of that, obviously, what he did off the field, but how he would kind of fit into this air raid and Mike Leach would find a way to, one, replicate the numbers we saw in the past, but maybe in a different way through the passing game, which would then open up the running game. And we just didn't quite see that in this air raid offense. And so, um, you know, if I could you know, have my opinion here real quick. I don't blame him for stepping away to prepare for the NFL draft because if anything at this point, he's probably hurting himself uh, playing in that air raid system because it, that that offense just is struggling and they're not feeding him the ball the way he will be fed the ball in the NFL. He's just playing out of position. We kind of knew it might happen that if you are on a bad team and you're a star player and you're just not loving it, you're probably going to opt out midway through the season. Like Puka Williams at Kansas did the same thing. Hey, Mississippi State, man, like they've fallen pretty far, Brandon. They're they're one in three. I was reading your SEC uh, best case, worst case article online at 24-7 Sports on Tuesday. And right. like Mississippi State's best case was four and six. Worst case is, is two and eight. Yeah, they probably get splattered by Alabama this weekend. But Oh, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, like Mike Leach... I was thinking it would take some time. I was surprised by the LSU game. Maybe LSU is just it's you know not very good, but I think this is tough for him. This is this is he he's benching KJ Costello. He's he's losing Kylan Hill. He's he's losing of, backup quarterbacks too. That's right. Yeah, Garrett Schrader. So and another know. one today apparently. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Maiden. Yeah, Kyle Lee. Busy day. Uh, but, it, you know, listen, it, it, it was expected at Mississippi State, especially I think it was after the Kentucky game where they lost 24-2, to where Leach kind of had a controversial statement saying that, you know, maybe I'm paraphrasing here. He didn't really say this in his own words, but it's it's what it meant was that he's probably got the clean house. People that didn't want to be there are going to have to leave or, or they're going to have to be part of the program and figure it all out. And we're seeing that. 
right now uh, with these players leaving. And, and it's been like that pretty much everywhere he's been. And as you said, I, I, I compare this job of Mississippi State, even though it's a higher prestige, but I do compare it a lot to Washington State. He went there. He needed two to three years to really get the players he needed. I Looking at the roster, I thought it was clear that he would need at least two years to get that done there. But we all got super excited from week one, and K.J. Costello being the, we thought, really great quarterback would help that. But defense is adjusted, and we're seeing that they just didn't quite have the talent to run that air raid immediately. And so even next year, it's probably not going to be a whole lot better. He's going to need some time. For a lot of those guys in that locker room, Mike Leach is their third coach. Dan Mullen. Um, yeah, Joe Moorhead and then and then Mike Leach. All right. So I'm going to crush another segue. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to stick in the Magnolia State. Check out what's going on down in Hattiesburg. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back. Trey Scott with Brandon Marcello. Hey, Brandon, what is Southern Miss going to do after interim coach um, Scotty Walden leaves mid-season to become the new head coach at Austin P and FCS school. Scotty Walden was the interim coach after Jay Hopson resigned mm-hmm. following a week one loss to South Alabama. So now Southern Miss is on its interim interim coach. I think they were probably surprised and, and bummed out to lose Scotty Walden. He's a, a well-regarded young coach, 30 years old, clearly has a bright future ahead and wanted to get, get going on that. At Austin P now Southern Miss has a, a a bizarre situation with its team and its locker room and, and an off season ahead. Yeah, um, what was interesting is that uh, uh, there was a report that uh, Memphis defensive coordinator Mac McIntyre was offered the Austin P job and declined it, and uh, and then they went to the Scotty, the interim coach at Southern Miss. You know, listen, Southern Miss has a lot of uh, issues internally and things they've really got to kind of face themselves and, and it's going to be these things, these problems, whether it's facilities and uh, finances and everything, you know, they don't pay, you know, a very high amount there uh, for the head coach. And um, as one of my friends uh, said today, when I was discussing this earlier, uh, I don't, I, if you were a power five offensive coordinator, I'm not sure you should show any interest in this job. And, and those are the type of coaches that they've gone after historically uh, to be their head coach. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time, even uh, during these times where, you know, listen, assistants are going to be like, oh, a head coaching job's open and you're hiring, I will take it. Because not a lot of jobs are probably going to be open this year. At least you would think so. And uh, But I still think they're going to have a difficult time filling that job just because of the logistics of it and the finances and also – you know, the conference they're in, a lot of schools have kind of, in a lot of ways, and just from the win-loss standpoint, have surpassed Southern Miss. That used to be Southern Miss's conference 
And it's not so much anymore. You're seeing all these other teams really stepping up. And I think that uh, they'll find a coach, obviously. But you know, goodness gracious, firing your coach after week one, going to an interim coach, then not having much success there. Then he decides to leave the team immediately <laughs> to go be with Austin P as the head coach. It's not a good look, and it, it makes you wonder, certainly, what's going on there. Well, I wanted to ask you kind of about Southern Miss, and I know you know the state well, and maybe relay what your friend said, but that used to be a strong program. Like Larry Fedori did a really good job there. It's been downhill a bit ever since. But I don't see any reason why they can't eventually reclaim the Conference USA. I mean, they're in a great recruiting base. Right. You know, I don't know what their facility situation is, but uh, it's like it, it – I have memories of them being way more competitive than they are. Of course, Brett Favre played there too and yeah. and all that stuff. But like, what, what's the long-term prognosis uh, at Southern Miss, Brennan? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, this is a program because of where it's located. It can go get talent despite the issues that they face, um, you know, financially and maybe getting the best coach they could potentially get. You're there on the I-10 corridor. You can go to the Florida Panhandle and go get recruits. You go to Alabama, you go into Louisiana. I mean, it's just amazing recruiting bed. And then not to mention, I'm not so sure about their past, but in my mind, there has been a load of talent that has come out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, which is like 40 miles away from Southern Miss. Man, that place should be a feeder system for your program if you need immediate help. Um, but uh, I, to me... That's a program that can easily, like within a couple of years, be back on top of the conference because of that with the talent. It's just that I'm not seeing the support necessarily from, say, the administration and uh, boosters and everything to kind of get it back to that point. Because I think they've almost been lulled to sleep a little bit by the success they've had without having to do the things that these other programs have done, investing in their programs and with coaches to get better. Um, you know, it's been, I mean, listen, it's been 30 plus years of Southern Miss being like a giant killer playing Alabama and having Brett Favre and, you know, uh, in the late eighties and early nineties, knocking teams off. And then of course, as you mentioned, getting to the two thousands and getting Larry Fedora and the things they did there, um, uh, they've got to rethink how they kind of handle things with that program. And the way they support it, because I think a lot in a lot of ways they're still stuck in the past. Yeah, I, I mentioned Favre. They also recently put Nick Mullins into the NFL too. Right. He's, he's done all right with the 49ers. Okay, last little topic for today. It did seem like a big injury front, uh, a big news day on the injury front on, on Tuesday. Penn State sophomore running back Noah Kane's out for the season with an ankle injury. Clemson's battling some defensive injury issues. Linebacker James Skalski, defensive tackle Tyler Davis. Those guys might be unlikely to play against Notre Dame in two weeks. Um, Chris Alave, the Ohio State receiver, mm -hmm. he's in concussion protocol. I want to circle back to, to Noah Kane and Penn State. Like They already lost Journey Brown, their star. He, he might be out for the year with an undisclosed medical issue that was found recently. Uh, Noah Kane, ankle injury. He was injured for a little bit of last season. So they've got Devin Ford. Who has a touchdown this season yeah. that, that <laughs> he didn't want to have? Yeah. <laughs> and then they've got two young freshman backs. Brandon, more broadly, because I won't talk to you again until Saturday, does Penn State 
pre Noah Kane injury even, did they have a chance against Ohio State on Saturday? I, I didn't think so because of Journey Brown being out. Um, Journey Brown, I thought, after what we saw last year, having almost 900 yards, averaging almost seven yards per carry, I thought he was going to be, you know, we're talking about guys like Graham Mertz and all this as breakout stars. I thought he would be the breakout star in the Big Ten because I, I wasn't so sure about Sean Clifford being that type of guy that could take that big step. But I thought Journey Brown could. He could be that big guy, that 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 bell cow for them. And without him, it's obvious that this offense isn't what it could be or should be. And, you know, you mentioned Noah Kane. We just haven't seen enough of him, you know, to be able to say what he could have done. He got injured early against Indiana, only had three carries. And now they had, they had to turn to Devin Ford. And, you know, his yard per carry average wasn't all that great. I can't recall what it was, but I think it was in the it was obviously it was obviously below four yards a carry. And, of course, he had that touchdown when he should have kneeled at the one. Um, Penn State should have won that game if not for that. You know, Penn State in a lot of ways is in disarray right now, and they haven't really faced COVID-19 issues or anything like that yet. So how's that going to – man, if they run into something like that and they're dealing with depth and at a lot of other spots, Penn State uh, has the potential here to be – Maybe the most disappointing team in the Big Ten this year because I really, I you, I've been saying it, I've been saying it all season. I thought all preseason, I thought that they could maybe crash the playoff. I thought they had a chance to get us Ohio State, and then all these injuries and everything happened, and uh, even in the preseason, and um, I, I just don't, I just don't see them beating Ohio State, and I, I'm not so sure that uh, you know this is a team that you could say for certain finishes above 500 I, I know that sounds weird but that conference only schedule it's difficult well the opt-out of Micah Parsons was perhaps the biggest one in college football it's either him or Jamar Chase so you know you can you can pick and choose which which one adds more value I and think then, Parsons just because yeah. Penn State was in a, in a in a you know championship hunt potentially yeah and then and then they had the new offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka but we knew that it was going to be tough for them a little bit offensively, like not tough, but a transition period as they're trying to find receivers. And we said, well, they don't have any receivers, but at least they have one of the best stables of running backs in the country. And a good and, tight end. And a good tight end. Great now, tight end. now they just have the good tight end, Pat Fryermuth, and, and a quarterback in Sean Clifford who's good but not great. And now you've got some really inexperienced running backs. It's it's going to be tough. I am. I agree with you. Uh, they are. A, they have the potential to be a disappointment, which I'm disappointed about. Like I was excited Me about too. watching this team yep. at full strength, um, see what they could do in the Big Ten. All right, Brandon Marcello, thanks for joining us today on the College Football Daily. Thank you to our producer Tiny Levitt for putting this thing together. It has been a crazy week in college football, and it's it's only Wednesday, so we'll, we'll see what we'll see what the next few days have in store. My name is Trey Scott. We will talk to you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Thank you.